You are listening to a Strange and Beautiful Network Classics Collection episode. This episode was originally released under our parent podcast, Strange and Beautiful Book Club. How long is the longest friendship? This is the Nightcrawler. (laughs) (laughs) This one's for you, Nicholas. (laughs) (laughs) This one's for you, Nicola. It's Nicola always. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. Lacroix always refers to him as Nicola. Sometimes he'll go Nicholas, but only when he's being really, really angry. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so. All right, second half. Well, intro. Welcome back, friends. <laughs> this is season one, episode two of Forever Night, Dark Night Part Two, which we just watched. So this is hot, fresh commentary coming at you straight off watching this steamy, steamy episode. It was quite steamy. It's quite a bit steamier than Nick Knight. Oh, yes. 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 Yeah. Part of that is just the actor playing Nick Knight is significantly better at drumming up sex appeal and like sexual tension. I think any emotion. <laughs> okay. So that's cause uh, he's not leaning on being Rick Springfield. Right. And Garant, 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 Garant. Yes. He uh, always says it's like a, pear pint, like pear pint. Garant. But he was a stage actor. Yes. Like many of our favorite actors. Yes. He's a Shakespearean stage actor, no less. Right. Yes. And so he's much more like emotive with his body. Yes. There's a lot of touching. There's just a lot of big gestures because you can't do nuanced. He's acting for the people in the back. Gestures for, uh, you you can't do nuanced gestures on a stage. Because people don't pick it up. You got to move your whole body around and actually like interact with other people's bodies. Like Matt, when he's recording a podcast that nobody's going to um, see. This chair is almost moving <laughs> because is. I'm gesturing so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But wait, wait, wait. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. Had to squeeze that in before we really got going because I'd hate to not use our theme song. Yeah, we didn't want to miss the intro. Right. All right, so we're going to try no synopsis, because this is such a short form. I feel like we can just chat this out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so, like, you episode, like uh, intro credits end, and boom, right, we're right into the... He, he had gotten the address from... Um, it's C-E-R-K. It's, he hadn't gotten the address. He didn't get the address from her this time. Oh, but she didn't when write he, it down for him? Yeah, but when he's listening to the radio, he, he, knows, recognizes. he recognizes the radio station. So, uh, we open to an alleyway, LaCroix at the end. Yeah, we get the follow me scene, but we Nick don't Nick follows up, him. It's more of a, like a butcher, butcher shop, shop instead yeah. of a slaughterhouse. 
Uh, there's still, you know, a vat of blood underneath a suspended body, whatever. Right. LaCroix offers him a drink. And Elise seems a lot less um, foolish in this because... Naive? Naive? I, yeah. I don't know. Because we don't get the whole previous scene where she's in the car with him. And he tells her to wait in the car and she just immediately hops out. Right, because out. he snuck. Yeah. She snuck after him. It's more of a... She's been sneaking this whole time. And they don't notice her right away. They don't notice her She's until... She's watching from the catwalk. Yeah, and LaCroix, who I will die on this hill, is the better version of LaCroix. Okay, so I, I was looking at IMDb, and this show had one award win and 14 nominations. The one win was for LaCroix yes. as Best Supporting Actor. Yeah, Nigel Bennett. For Nigel Bennett. Yes. And... He deserves it. Oh, he does. He yeah. sells it. And this isn't even peak LaCroix. Right. It's going to get if better. If there's one award for this entire show, yeah. it is for LaCroix as best supporting actor. Right. Because this interaction here where he's trying to force Nicholas into facing his nature, where he like holds him down and pours blood on his face is so dramatic and so well done. And then, then he vamps out and that's when Elise screams. Yes, and so then he does the, what do you want more, the girl or your immortality? Yeah, or the cup. And instead yeah. of doing the like, whoops, these butterfingers, where he like drops it like, from He Nick actually Knight. waits for yes. Nick to stand up. He's actually holding, holding Elise. He's holding yeah. the cup. He waits for Nick to have a moment, and then he's like, okay, now, choose. And then he drops it, and Nick has a chance to go for either. Whereas in the movie, Nick was prone. He yeah. dropped the cup, it smashed, and then it's like, choose. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, the cup's yeah. already broken. We get more of a dramatic yeah. pause, definitely. Yeah. 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 And then we go from there to uh, he's running out in the sunlight. Oh, yeah. And he hops in the trunk. Right. And he's actually like burning in the sunlight. He's like right. smoking. <laughs> so, <laughs> but he's charred. He's, he he's mildly out. charred he for the rest out. of this. He has like a black smudge on his cheek. Yes. And then he has like a random black. Like they're all the all the smudges are the same exact shape. Just yeah, to, it's like they had a sponge, <laughs> an <laughs> oval sponge, yeah. and they just went. Yeah, now you're charred. There you go, yeah. son. Yeah. Your shirt's all ch your white shirt is all charred. Although, <laughs> it's like whenever he's on duty, he's wearing just like a jersey white t-shirt. But then whenever he's in his apartment, he's wearing that like very blousy like billowy Look, sleeve he, he can be himself at home okay like he's just letting it but he's wearing the same pants he's an 18th century gentleman at heart he just gotta express it somewhere <laughs> I, but he's got the like the duster coat and he wears the duster coat this entire episode yeah, with the high collar yeah with the high collar and very the, like, reminiscent wide. of like medieval dracula like cloak i don't need this kind, no i don't need this kind of negativity but it's like the wide shoulder like cape it's cape like yes yes yeah. the it's the coat with like the capelet yeah down to like i mean he works it arm. yeah he works it it's good yeah it's it's for airflow uh, yeah you have ventilation from underneath the capelet yeah for when you're flying no, for when like you're horse riding <laughs> like <laughs> or flying <laughs> which she does or again flying yeah so after we get that, uh, he's in the he's in the trunk of his car, and we get a scene with Skanky where Skanky picks the car up because 
Um, they are, they've towed his car because it was illegally parked, of course. And so we get the same dialogue where he's talking about a memory of being in a car like this before the, the bicentennial summer of 1976. Oh, but he's yes. like walking along the car stroking, and like stroking it, it lovingly. And we really draw out this dialogue instead of just delivering it kind of preemptively. And we also get our between you, me and the lamppost, which I warned you about. Yes, and this is, um, so this skanky, this iteration of skanky is a little more plump, yeah, a little more bald, a little more nostalgic for yeah. the... times gone by. Yeah. Yeah, so he like, he just, he just lovingly strokes this car, and then when he gets in it and he just takes a finger and he rubs his finger around the edge of the steering wheel, and by the time the guy shows up with the keys and he's like, "Here's your keys, Mister Memory," like, <laughs> you're yeah, like, "That's what. It, that's all it is." You you believe that he's gonna drive this car because he just needs this moment in this car, and not as like, a, "Well, I guess I'm gonna drive Knight's car." It's more like, "Oh, a Cadillac." Right. And he's driving the car because of nostalgia. Not because, uh, Nick Knight, I'm so inconvenienced right now. Yeah. I'm just going to get something fun out of this. Right. Nice. Dispatch, this is 81 Kilo. I think I'm going to tool around in Knight's Caddy for a while. Just let me know when he turns up, okay? Thanks. And then we get, we keep getting clips of Nick in the trunk. To remind us that he's in there. And we got the same thing in Nick Knight, but he's like doing stuff in the trunk. He's like cleaning his face and whatever. So it's for some reason him just like lying on his side in the trunk in this to me feels right. so At one much point, more. He's, he looks asleep. Yeah, he's asleep because he's like, I'm in here for the day. So here I go. And then they go to the hospital. And he gets out of the trunk, and instead of changing his shirt like he does when he's Rick Springfield, he right. just shuts the trunk, and there's an old lady standing right. there. And instead of like charming the old lady because he's changing his shirt, he just says, not much room, but you can't beat the rent. Right. And she just looks very confused. And then he just walks, he just leaves. It's like, yeah. and that's I got nothing else to say. And then he goes up, and he hears um, Skanky. Right. So in the movie, he had just gone to Dr. Kemper's office and got on the computer. And there's no Kipper. connection. Kipper. Kipper like okay. a fish. Uh, he'd gone to Dr. Kipper's office, and there's no connection to Skanky's parallel conversation. But here, he gets like a faraway look as he uses his vampire hearing. <laughs> what do you hear with your vampire ears? <laughs> Oh, Dr. Kipper has the records in his office. Oh, okay. Oh, and conveniently. So, Here's Dr. Kipper's and then, office. And then mm. the door's not unlocked. Right. The door is locked, but... He breaks the lock. He uses his vampire strength. Right. We get a little bit more, hey, guys, there's some perks. Look at his vampire powers. He has... Ka-chunk. Ka-chunk. Break the lock. Right. But the window's open, so he's like... <laughs> Yeah, he like, opens the door and <laughs> sunlight. Yeah. He goes and closes the blinds. Yeah, he just has to pull the blinds. And then he starts hacking. Uh, right. He uses hacking. <laughs> I think it's he uses just his open. vampire hacking I think it's skills. just open to the records. And he's like, boop, boop, there they are. Okay. And then he calls. Right, that would be the only thing that computer was used right. for. Then he calls Natalie and he's like, yeah, Skanky's right. 
they're all donors. Yeah. All the homeless people are donors. And he's like, I talked to LaCroix about it, which he talks to LaCroix about it. And he's like, how come you're lying about killing the homeless people? And LaCroix's like, I wouldn't lie. He says, I've never been ashamed of killing. He's like, I wouldn't. Why would I lie? I don't care that I killed them. I'd just flaunt that shit. He's like, trust me. And Nick's like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you wouldn't. No, no, you definitely just rubbed my face. Damn, I had that wrong. Damn, I had that one wrong. (laughs) And so it turns out, hey, guys, Skanky's right. Yeah, that's the blood donors. They're all connected. And so we skip the scene where he goes back to the car. But we do get the scene where um, Skanky's talking to... Oh, he, he, he tell, he's on Kenner. the phone with Natalie, and he's like, my ride's about to leave. Yeah, I got to go. She's like, you sound weak. Have you eaten anything? And he goes, oh, are you kidding me? Hospital food? Which I wouldn't either, because all of this blood is improperly stored. So, yeah, we have the scene <laughs> where Fenner comes in with the blood, and it's in like the styrofoam cooler thing. But there's no lid on it. It's like sticking out the top of it and there's no lid. The blood bags are sticking out the top. Like there's too many, there's so many blood bags in here that we can't fit the top on. And they're all just lying about, they're just lying about in the hallway. Yeah. There's just coolers of blood bags sticking out. There's side tables. There's a couple on there. They're just sort of everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) And they come back. It's like hours later. And that styrofoam cooler with blood bags in it that Dr. Fenner, or Fenner, I don't know, I don't think he's a doctor. No, nah, yeah. But Fenner brought in, hours later, they're just sitting there. It's yeah. Like, mm, well, okay. one hopes maybe a second box of improperly stored blood bags arrived. Right, I don't know but, if you wish for that or if you wish only one. I don't know. Like, okay, so Fenner's whole thing is that his mother died. Right. Because of bad blood. Yeah. But then he's bringing in a cooler of blood. That's not properly stored. Right. It's like, who's to blame for the bla- bad blood, Fenner? Yeah. Maybe the improperly storing guy? It's probably not the homeless people. Matt also pointed out that there is a poster on the wall behind the desk at the blood bank about AIDS. Right. Which we are right in the midst of the AIDS crisis. Yes, the 90s. 90s, yeah. which was a huge deal. Right, and super uh, traumatic. Super... U.S. television wouldn't even mention it no. at all. But this Canadian television. This is a real subtle nod, but it's there. And it's like, it is and all And there's a whole problems. AIDS episode. There said. will be, yes. There will be. Yeah, yeah. we're not, not going to get there till season three, but we are going to talk about AIDS. And I think it's looking, but when I watched it when I was younger, because I was so young during the 90s, it didn't have the impact that going back and watching it now was like, wow, they were willing to talk about this in 1995 mm-hmm. or 96 when it was filmed, which was big balls, big balls for the time. So, but we're not going to get there for many moons. It, it'll be a while. It'll be a while. But I thought that it, you pointed that out. I'd never noticed it before, but I thought that was interesting that they had that there. So from there, uh, Nick's back in the trunk, and he hears the guy with the keys, which this time he's not improbably, like, chucking these keys around like a he has a right, key-jangling like compulsion. It's like they're spinning just, them on his they're finger. They're just clipped. They're clipped to his belt, and yeah, they jangle, and jangle when, he walks. when he walks. So he hears them jangling, and uh, then Skanky gets in the car, and he turns on some polka. Which, of course, Skanky <laughs> listens to Polka, and which Nick has is like, like a, totally has like a torture scene where he's like screaming silently with his he's hands over his He's got his hands clasped over his ears. And you're like, ah! <laughs> so we get 
like polka while he's driving around town and then oh no and the then brakes the brakes fail. fail and then i noted which i i don't know if i i just hadn't noticed before is you know what we've lost as a culture is the, the dramatic com- fadeaway the commercial break cliffhanger because we get like a zoom in on Skanky's face. We hear some honking right, he's horns. He's going, no, no, no. And then we fade to black because this was where the commercial break fell. And so this was to get you back after you'd peed, gotten a snack, refilled your drink. Yeah, I told Rachel, you don't have to rush to pee anymore. No, and you have that one person still Bladder on the couch. Bladder health is way up. That one person on the couch that's like, guys, it's back on. And you all had to run back and like... Because you were going to miss it. My stuff's not done in the microwave. <laughs> Aw, yeah. So we get it. We get the dramatic fade to black, but we don't actually see any of what happens. But when right. we come back... And it's in, in the body the, shop. It's in the body shop, and he's pointing out the dents. And every time the body shop technician points out the dents, Skanky's like, oh, yeah, that's the Ferrari. Oh, yeah, that was a Lincoln Town car. And he's like, yeah, who just leaves a 30-foot like, camper in the front yard or whatever? And so it's... He walks us through it th- with that visual. Right, rather than showing it. Right, which is really, it's, it's great. And then he like walks away slightly. Instead of the improbable idea that Skanky's leaning against this car and he doesn't feel Nick Knight climbing out of the trunk and right. shutting the trunk yeah, behind him. Yeah, he walks him. around the corner. Yeah, he's actually walked slightly away and then he hears Skanky. <laughs> <laughs> and there's Nick right behind him. And he's like, oh no, he's going to kill me. Oh man, oh man, he is going to kill me. Worse still, he's going to make me pay for it. Skanky. I'm a dead man. He turns around, and there's Nick Knight. And so he starts making excuses. Yeah. He starts trying to explain himself, and Nick's examining each spot. And then Skanky's still, like, trying to, like... Uh, justify himself and like not uh, I guess stop Nick from killing him or whatever <laughs> from yelling at him being angry at him making uh, him pay and for Nick's it like oh the brake line was cut and he's Skanky's like see like, it wasn't my yeah, fault yeah the brake line was cut so it wasn't my fault wait the brake line was cut <laughs> skanky honest to god Nick I was only going to drive it to the station but the hospital was on its way and I and I said why not this kills me. This kills me more than it kills you. <laughs> this chemistry works so much better. Yeah. These two guys have so much buddy-buddy chemistry, and they're going to, and it works so well. Like, when he's, like, aggressively walking around the car and just, like, touching all the spots where it's damaged. Right, with, like, stoic expression on yeah, his face. Yeah, while Skanky is getting more and more and more, like, frantic and worked up. It just works so well that when he's finally, like, the brake line was cut. Kiki's like, well, yeah, obviously the, what this, the brake line was cut. <laughs> like it has so much more impact than like, Oh, Oh, in the, in the movie where they're really, well, we hadn't established any chemistry. So this moment only feels like skanky getting kind of what was coming to him instead of like skanky's a generally nice guy. And this bad thing happened to him. And he just feels bad that he wrecked this guy's car because he was right. on, Where, whereas he was in the driving TV show, Skanky was much moment. more the like, I'm in the, like the early middle of my career and I'm aggressively like pursuing advancement and I need success and I need wins on my cases. Yeah, this is more like midlife crisis Skanky. Yeah, where 
you know, he's had all his big cases. Uh, he's just trying to, you know, keep to the grind and just stay a little bit out of trouble. Right. And now this bad thing happened to him. Right. Yeah. It was cut. By who? By the guy we're looking for. You're right, Skanky. I knew I was right. Murder in the museum was a different killer. He was? Typo and homeless. They were the keys all along. I knew that. I know. Yeah, and so from there, um, they go back to the blood bank. Because they've got to figure out who cut his who cut his uh, brake line. Right. So they want to find out who was there at who the hospital. Who could have done it. When Skanky was there. Right. So they go back and we actually, we talk to the lady behind the desk, Nick and Skanky together. And they have far more success this time. Yep. They and, find out it was Fenner, the guy who yes. drives the blood bank truck. Right. And we talk about um, how his, his mother died because of bad blood. And um, Nick immediately calls it in, I think. He picks up the phone. Yeah, that they need to go find Fenner. Well, meanwhile, Elise is at Nick's apartment because she, again, looked him up in the yellow pages. So in the movie, she shows up at his apartment and is able to get in. And you have to infer that, oh, yeah, Nick said in like... The second scene of the movie that his alarm code was on the, the same digits Stella. on this like Mayan tablet were the same as his alarm code. Right here we spell it out where she's like, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna look him up in the yellow pages," and then she goes over to the tablet. Oh yeah, his alarm code, and she actually writes out the numbers. Right, and then she goes and punches them in at his house. <laughs> Pippin's food is dispensing. Just a moment. Uh, I'll repeat that. Yeah. So then she goes to the Mayan tablet and actually writes out the digits of his alarm code, then goes to his building and punches those numbers in and gets in. Right. And then she gets out of this sliding door, which this sliding door, this is our set, right? This is where Nick lives for three seasons. Is this supposed to be an elevator? Are there stairs that people walk up? Because often we'll have an aerial view of people coming in out this door and there's no seam like it's an elevator, but we sort of treat it like it's an elevator. Oh, right. Yes. It's, there's like the, the folding door, like the accordion folding door. Yeah. But it's just a room on the other side. It's just a room. But I don't know if like around the corner, because later. I think there was one scene we watched where you mentioned it and it was like when you're leaving the apartment and you walk through this folding door into this room to the left, it looks like there might be a door frame on the wall. Yeah. I think that like you walk through the sliding door and there's an elevator just out of frame because also to the right of his sliding door is an elevated door. And I think that's the stairs. Like to the roof? Or up and down. Just like the stairs oh, in case oh, the, the elevator is the out building. of service. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't That didn't really matter. <laughs> just one of those like, <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> because he is going to ride, like we're going to have a couple dramatic elevator scenes where people are riding in the elevator up to his apartment. So there has got to be an elevator, but he's in like a, a loft space. So there's definitely like an, a space below right. him. He's like penthouse or something. Yeah. He's high up in a building. Right. And he does have a skylight. Although it's so he can see the sunrise. <laughs> 
And he does have a skylight because we dramatically use the skylight. That's right. So he has to be in the penthouse. Right. So he's got to be in the penthouse. Well, anyway, so Elise is there either way, whether she got up via the elevator or whatnot. And um, and then there's a banging on the there's door. There's a banging on the door. And she thinks it's Nick. And she's like, if you're trying to scare me again, it's working. Because the last time he did this, he scared the pants out of her. And of she her. said, hold me. Yeah. So maybe he was going for that again. I don't know. But she slides open the door and it's Jeannie. And Jeannie's all beat up. And she's on the ground. And she looks far more beat up than the Jeannie in the movie. Right. Jeannie in the movie was actually able to walk in, but she's laying on the floor, like bleeding out the side of her head. Yeah. So Elise brings her in. And we don't explain how she got hurt. Yeah, we do. When she was with Topper. Oh, she got, but this is like two days before. Yeah, she screams like, Topper. No, it hasn't been that long. It's just felt that long. It's just felt that long. Because it's right after they find Topper's body. That Nick go leaves. He like leaves to go find where Lacroix is because he's all mad. Right, but he's been in the car all day. And he's been in the, the car all before. day. So this is the yeah. So, so she's been stumbling through the city for like twelve hours. Yeah, of course. Yeah, took her that long. She's damaged. Okay, took her that long to get there. It's Toronto. It's a big city. <laughs> so she gets there. Anyway, however she did this, I'm on whatever timeline, and Elise brings her in and puts her on the couch, and then she turns on the fire. With the remote control. <laughs> the same remote control that opens the windows yes. and closes them. Yeah. This is the 90s. Things are high tech, okay? And she's like, I don't think he's ever used this before. But the pilot light's lit. So that's a dumb assumption. I don't know. I think it's supposed to be like, he doesn't like fire. Yes. Yeah. That, that's a good reference. Because in the in the scene where he stakes the claw onto the wall... Which is the right same. before he stakes Lacroix. Lacroix lists how they can die. He's like, right. you could get staked. You if you really burned. want mortality, then you just want to die. Yeah. I can solve that problem for you. Right. Here's the list of how vampires can die. <laughs> and one Did more everybody catch it? decapitation. Yeah, and he tries to decapitate him with a butcher knife, and then Nick like throws him against the spikes, and he looks dead. Like he's convincingly dead. Yeah, and then until Nick leaves, and Nick then he walks like, off camera, and then you zoom in on Lacroix's face, and slowly the the like dead expression turns into like this slow smirk. Like, yeah, hey, I got him, got you. <laughs> and it's so well, it's so much better than the weird like orgasm laugh that we got from the Lacroix in Nick Knight, because it's like, ha, got you, and you can tell. And then he's listening to the radio the next night, remember? And it's like, I'm filling in for the night crawler. Hey, buddy, what's wrong? Call in if, if, you if you're this. around. Call in. So he's like, Oh, good. Yeah. Whew, got. I got him. And I got. I got independent verification that yeah. Lacroix is out of service. Out of service somehow, whether he's deceased or whatever. So he checks his messages from the blood bank after they rush off to go find Fenner, and. Elise hears him checking his messages because he checked his messages remotely. And you can tell because he doesn't actually get all the way through the, um, there's no tape rewinding sound this time, right? but it doesn't make it all the way through his like recorded greeting. And so that's how she knows he's listening to his messages. And so she goes and picks up the phone and he actually sounds mystified. Like in Nick Knight, he just sounds angry. He's like, why are you there? Instead he's like, Elise, well, why are you at my apartment? And she's like, well, I'm here and Jeannie's here. And he's like, oh, my God, Jeannie's okay. <laughs> like, he actually sounds invested. Uh, the Nick Knight, uh, Rick Springfield's Nick Knight 
uh, you kind of feel like he's forgotten about Jeannie and Topper. Like, they were fun little pets, but now that they're troublesome, he hasn't remembered them. But he actually sounds, like, happy that Jeannie is there. And so he's rushing off to the apartment. I don't think because he knows Fenner's there. He does not know Fenner is there. No, it's not He's the same. only rushing there because Jeannie is there. Right. And Jeannie and Topper were his friends. Right. So we don't get the, like, oh, she's called 911. And, oh, I think she's actually letting somebody up. Anyway, he rushes there for I whatever. Think I think in this, in the TV version, it's in a different order. She yeah. gets off the phone with Nick and then like, and then the doorbell rings. And then at first I thought she was saying, oh, is that Nick? But no, it's like ambulance. Right. So she lets Fenner up and um, Fenner's doing some dramatic stuff. And then Jeannie tries to light him on fire with the broom again. But he just tosses it to the side onto the haphazard volatile chemicals. Yeah, after he's thrown a lease at them. So she's like behind the table stuck in the corner. Yeah, knocked the painting supplies off the table. Right, and there's like a roaring inferno in this concrete brick room <laughs> that nobody can get past, apparently. And so uh, Nick shows up. And he almost bites Fenner. We get like a, oh, but he gets like a disgusted look on his face as he pulls away. Yeah, but he doesn't do it. And then he ends up getting Jeannie up on her feet and having her run. Uh, And then he jumps over the table to get to Elise. And when he turns around. And now this scene, we're hearing this like Lacroix monologuing at Nick. Well, Lacroix just shows up right now. Okay, and, yeah. Lacroix and he kills Fenner. Fenner. Yeah, he still and does And then the... Lacroix starts monologuing at Nick yes. about how he needs to uh, like, be stronger. He needs to right. like, actually eat. Uh, he's like, you're weak. When was the last time you fed? And so Elise is picking up on this like, oh, right. So I saw him at the slaughterhouse, at the butcher shop, whatever, totally vamped out. And he didn't eat Fenner when he could have. Uh, Okay, so he's not eating blood, but this guy's beating the crap out of him. And she's like, take me. (laughs) In more ways than one. And it makes so much, it's so much better. than then then Elise is like, rip my shoulder of my sleeve, my shirt down and be like, yeah, just go ahead. Do it, do it, do it, do it. She's like. So LaCroix is monologuing at Nick. You need to eat so you can be strong, so you can defeat me. And Elise is like, you need to eat me so that you can (laughs) defeat him. And maybe I'll become a vampire, whatever, but it's your only chance. And so, uh, and then we're flashing back and forth between LaCroix and Elise, both telling him to do the same thing, which is eat Elise. But then we also flash back to his origin scene where he's getting ready to feed from the lady on the altar. And so it's this, like there's the angel and the devil on his shoulder, but they're telling him to do the same thing. Right. And they're both telling him to do a thing that he has already done before. Right. And, and there's like a heartbeat in the background. Yeah. And and so the tension is just building. Yeah. Through this scene, way better than in the movie. Oh yeah, you feel it. Yeah, you feel because we're like, 
we get the like driving, like subtle heartbeat in the background. And like Elise is telling him and LaCroix's sultry tones are telling him. And, so and he's he remembering has, he what has it would be his like. face in Elise's neck. He's ready. And then he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> and so he pushes her away and goes after LaCroix with a flaming You're not going to get me, everybody. <laughs> and LaCroix's like, you think you can defeat me as a mortal? <laughs> and, uh, and he can't because LaCroix just like bitch slaps him into the corner and he passes out. And then LaCroix throws the flaming stick at him and it sticks into the concrete wall. I, I contend that this is some kind of like um, paneling around the bottom that it sticks in. Yeah, it it looks like maybe it's like gray painted like beadboard or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. But he's the LaCroix. color kind of looks like cast he's, concrete. He's LaCroix. If anybody Everything could stick a wood pole through a concrete wall, it'd be LaCroix. Right. So just just so then LaCroix is it. getting ready to uh bite Elise. Right, and this is really drawn out too cuz like her ear is bleeding, so he like licks her neck and then looks over at Nick like And it's like oh, so yeah, this going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just taunting Nick. Oh yeah. And then Nick gets riled up enough like the earlier scene, what is it going to take to get a rise out of you? Right. So he uh, LaCroix actually does bite Elise, but we only get a moment of it before Nick like runs up and stabs, stabs sta- him. stakes LaCroix, stakes LaCroix. Yes, with this wooden flaming and then pins and him, I think to a door. so much more personal because, yeah, because he doesn't throw he's it. He's not throwing it like a javelin. No. He's up there like a spear. Yeah. He spears him with it and then he's like burning hell. <laughs> and he's like, he says, a va diable. Damn you. Like, go go to the devil, like, to the devil with you. And then he, like, stakes him against the wall, and LaCroix bursts into flames. And, and, then, and then you see his clothes drop to the floor. Yeah, he dissolves into ash. And that's yeah. not the end of LaCroix. But it's the end of LaCroix for a little while. For season one. It takes a little while to come back from being completely turned into ashes, I guess. So he's got some recoup time, which is approximately the length of season one. We are going to see him in flashbacks, so don't worry. You won't be jonesing for too long. But, yeah, he kills LaCroix. And then uh, we cut to... Him and Natalie in the museum. Yeah, wrapping right. up. He has his jade cup. Yeah, right. he's donated it to the museum. In honor of Elise. In honor of Elise. LaCroix and Elise were the lucky ones. <laughs> so then they're leaving, and Skanky alludes to the fact that when they arrived at the scene, Nick was unconscious, and he needed a blood transfusion. And so now he's got... And so Natalie gave him a blood transfusion. He's got two the, pints of grade A skanky flowing in his veins. <laughs> Do you realize you got a pint of grade A skanky running through you? What? The transfusion? No, you didn't. Sorry, he was the only available donor. <laughs> and Nick looks Natalie, disgusted. the coroner, yeah. gave him a blood Oh, she transfusion. does a bunch of doctory stuff. Everyone just like... Because she's a doctor. I mean, she's, she's Dr. Lambert. She right. just works and on dead people, which I guess it works for Nick because he's a dead uh, guy. There was a show where the coroner was an MD, but they couldn't handle working on living bodies. And right. I can't remember She's what... a medical doctor. I mean, she's Dr. Lambert. Right, but I can't yeah. remember what show that was. Uh, I don't know. I'm 
drawing a blank as well. But yeah, so she did the blood transfusion because she was there and she could do it. She's a trained medical doctor. She just happens to work on dead people most of the time. And so uh, Nick looks super disgusted. And Skanky's like, that's right. You're not going to be able to walk by a souvlaki stand without having to get one. (laughs) All right. So then they're walking down the stairs and then we pan up to the like, there's like a dome on the museum. Well, we get and a little windows. Yeah, well, we get a little palling around first before we get yeah, this bigger Yeah, there's some around. Yeah, we get some palling around. They go around. down the stairs. Yeah. And then we pan up to look at one of these windows in the dome. And in the window in the dome is Vampire Elise. Vampire Elise, which I successfully hid from Matt this entire time. So it was a reveal for yeah, him. kudos. Thanks. Yeah, Elise, who did not die. Which I was wondering... Because uh, in the when we watched the movie, you're like, I'm not sure if Elise dies at the end. I tried so hard. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I was thinking there's no way Rachel doesn't remember because Rachel has like a photographic memory for movies. And so I was a little suspicious, but then I kind of forgot. Until just <laughs> Which now. Which I can always rely on as a, <laughs> a consistent real life plot mechanism is Matt knew, but Matt won't know for long. So it's fine. <laughs> okay. So that was episode two, the yeah. end of the the plot from Nick Knight the movie. How did you feel? Like overall, how are you feeling going into episode okay. three? I thought episode two was better than episode one. Right. And uh, episode two was also better than the movie. Yeah. These two episodes feel obligatory. They feel like we needed to re-record the first two episodes, the, the pilot, so we know where we're going. Right. And we've actually lost one of the writers between Nick Knight and Dark Knight. So it's still um, credited to two guys. Oh, right. Yeah. Because it was two creators. Two guys right. created the show So I think the tonal shift is also we're not dealing left. with two writers either. Right. So, and I just love the new main actor so much more than Nick Springfield. Uh, but I'm excited to get into season three because I feel like this is really episode one. Like episode one and two are episode one and two, but we haven't gotten into Forever Night. We were still right. rehashing Nick Night. Yes. So I guess we'll just leave it there so yeah. we can keep it a mini episode. Ah, oh, hey, oh, man, we're less than an hour again. You're doing really good at this mini episode thing. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I guess we'll see you next time, friends. Remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful, too. So be who you are and love what you love. Bye, friends. Bye. Bye. Yes.
Everyone knows I'm full of BS. I win. <laughs> Mine just weren't cut on <laughs> microphone. Yeah, well, whatever. Should I push record? Excuses, excuses. All right, you ready? We warmed up. You are listening to a Strange and Beautiful Network podcast, a network of shows focusing on unscripted discussions that promote positive but honest engagement with all the weird and wonderful topics that make our hearts happy. I want to take a moment to express my heartfelt gratitude to all our listeners. Your continuous support and engagement mean the world to us. So if you're enjoying the show, make sure to spread the love. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Strange and Beautiful Network to stay updated on the latest episodes, behind-the-scenes peaks, and exclusive content from all our shows. You can also find additional ways to support this show on our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash strange and beautiful network. By becoming a patron, you'll gain access to bonus episodes, early releases, our Discord channel, and other exciting perks. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.